Um, do you want to go ahead and sing the song from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. We got no babysitter because she's dead on the couch. The only line from this movie, aside from presumably Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, that I know about. And I'm right on top of that, Rose. That one's, oh, that one always comes up in those top 100 lines from movies that the AFI does. <laughs> really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Deej. This is Christina Applegate trying to break out of her Married with Children slump. Not making it onto AFI movies. Slump. It was a very well regarded program. But everyone, there was like a curse upon everyone that just finally broke recently. I think when Modern Family premiered, and they were like, "Okay, everyone can go off and do their own thing now." What have been? Katie Seagal was on Futurama, and that only got canceled. Yeah, but like not her face. <laughs> <laughs> and Christina Applegate, I feel like now she's finally got six. Like since Anchorman, that was like, okay, yeah. the curse has been lifted. Ed O'Neill finally with Modern Family. And David Faustino. What's he doing? He seems like maybe he's an all right guy now, if I had to guess. He probably is a nice guy. <laughs> I said alt right, not all right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's probably like doing those gigs that David Brent does in the finale of The Office where he just goes <laughs> to clubs and waves. Christina Applegate. Stone Cold Fox. Yeah, uh, SCF, they, yeah. they called her. Hey, by the way, welcome to You're in a Child's an Idiot. This is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name's DJ. Hi, I'm Damon. I've been talking for a while now. <laughs> welcome to you and to me and to everyone. Uh, flawless, flawless intros. We're talking about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, a film from a year that I definitely won't be Googling I mean, hold on. Right. 90. What? I want to say 92. I'm going to guess 95. I'm not. Ooh, that seems late. I've only, I've only done Don't Tell so far, so it has not come up. Oh, it's starting to come up. It's starting to feed in and uh, got bad news for me. Yeah. Um, 1991. Yes, but I went over. Bum, 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 bum. I should have known by how young Josh Charles is in this. Josh Charles, now that's something. He is also in some show right now that I don't watch, but I know him mostly from Sports Night. Is he in The Good Wife or was in The Good Wife? That sounds right. Um, um, he was also in Studio 60, The Unfunny 30 Rock. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, you mean? Yeah, Please. that's the one. Proper name. <laughs> Not to be confused with Studio 60 on Main Street. <laughs> um, this is a movie that, this is going to be a tough one because I could probably just go ahead and quote this whole movie to you right now. Um, is this, because you and our friend, friend of the show, LT, I think both like this movie. I saw this a lot and I don't know exactly, I'm going to text my sister right now and see if, if why 
I know this so well. I'm going to ask her if she was super into it. I'm going to put a forward my own theory, which is I imagine it was very inexpensive for um, for cable to purchase the rights to show it. And so when they mm. did, they just showed it a lot. It seems like one of those Saturday afternoon movies. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I, I definitely have seen it a lot. Um, I have never seen this movie. I'm looking forward to the opportunity, but I'm also nervous because this seems like uh, the type of movie um, where it would give me anxiety because the movie wants me to like uh, relate to the the kids in the situation because right. they're all rock and roll and cool. But as a nerd and a prissy one at that, <laughs> I'm just going to feel bad for the house and the messes they're making. And be worried about when their parents come home. Yeah, they're they're kind of like all the the main character, as I remember, like Christina Applegate's character, like eventually becomes responsible. But the whole thing starts because the babysitter dies, obviously, and they're like, we don't need to tell tell anyone. We can just take care of ourselves. But they're all kind of like rebellious kids. Wait. And you don't have to answer this question if you'd like me to discover in media race. Uh, but what do they do with the um, body of the babysitter? You've seen Fargo, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it's funny. I actually don't remember. Um, I assume that babysitter has a family who'd want to know what happened to her or him. You know the great the great thing about this movie is we don't really have to guess um the 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 title kind of says it all as far as the premise of the movie. I do like movies where it's done a lot of the legwork just in knowing what the movie is called. <laughs> oh, I guess in this movie I'm going to figure out how Stella got her groove back. This is going to yeah. be great. Okay, well, I know what I'm in for. I'm going to assume in act 1 her groove is gone and yeah. then by act 3 it will return in some fashion, probably sexual. It's weird that uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter said it's actually a retelling of King Lear. Did not see that coming. <laughs> fi fi, cruel babysitter. But yeah, uh, Christina Applegate gets a a job because she realizes, oh, we're going to need like groceries. And oh, stuff. a job like what squares would have? Yeah. But she actually ends up like doing really well there. And that's the, that's the, the joke. Um, that is a joke. That is funny. It's just just a mile, uh, it's a lot a minute. Aren't there, I feel like the, another thing that's giving me some some sort of retro anxiety is the cover. First off, the cover of the box uh, is shot between the dead legs of the babysitter, yes. her legs up in the air, like any babysitter dies. You know, sometimes ladybugs, when they die, their legs fold in. Babysitters, when they die, their legs go straight up. Yes. Um, and that's we're looking at the fact. porch of the home, and if memory serves, there's like a thousand children in the home. Why are there so many children? I mean, I think you might be mistaking what you're saying. I'm going to go ahead and text this screenshot to <laughs> To you. Please, please, please do. <laughs> oh. The, the power of re- recording remotely. I can text you and it's not weird. True. Okay. I may have mistaken it. It's but for some reason, I just remember children being everywhere. Well, I'm sure they have a party at some point, right? I know that uh, I know that mom comes home at an inopportune time. I think she has like a fashion show. The mother has a fashion no, show? No, Christina. Relatable content. <laughs> No, I uh, I feel like I don't want to say too much because I remember too much of the plot of this movie to like, I don't want to give it away. 
Not that I think it'll be like a big mystery, but I just don't want to like spoil the movie going experience for you. <laughs> Thank you. The last thing I want is this experience to be ruined. You know what this is reminding me of? I feel like um, there was another movie from the early 90s that I think even fewer people have seen than Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Uh, it's a movie starring two powerhouses that their stars never ceased rising. Uh-huh. Kirstie Alley and John Larroquette. Names without time, just you can't pin them to an era. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this movie was called Madhouse. Does that ring any bells? Nope, not a one. And it's about a couple, and all their um, family starts slowly staying at their house over the course of the movie, and then eventually uh, the couple like freak out and like get them all out of there, Um, but. It also gave me supreme anxiety because I'm like, please just get out of these nice couples' house. The nice couple being, of course, John Larroquette and Kirstie. Is this uh, what Mother with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's remake of? <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> yes. But with 100% less Michelle Pfeiffer's. Okay. I... Wait, hold on. Let me actually just double check the... Yeah, no Michelle Pfeiffer's <laughs> are in this movie. <laughs> I've never seen either of the movies that we're referencing, so the joke can only go so far. You did well. You held you held your own, and that's what I appreciate. <laughs> so here's here's what I'm worried about. Like you're kind of coming in, you're coming in fresh, but but you're gonna be able to judge whether my inner child's an idiot because I loved this movie, and I still think that some of it is gonna hold up. But I could be completely wrong because I have not seen it in a very long time. First off, I'm sure your inner child is an idiot. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I will, uh, I, of course, uh, you know, I've taken an oath, the podcasting oath, um, oddly written in ancient Rome. I don't know why they just had yeah. it on hand that Hippocrates was just throwing out oaths. Um, but, oaths. uh, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna come to this, uh, you know, with an open mind and I'm gonna, you know, judge it fairly and based on what the movie is trying to do and whether or not it succeeds. <laughs> and whether it gives me supreme anxiety watching it. It might do that. Um, yeah, that's what I'm concerned of. I was the kid at the party who was like hanging out with the, the um, parents of my friends. Um, guys, um, I know for sure we're not supposed to be doing this. Guys, I'm fairly sure your mother, before she went inside to make Raisin Roundies, said no unequivocally no rough housing thank you and i think it's been less than 30 minutes since you ate so maybe you should get out of the pool jonathan jonathan <laughs> um i have an update i have a sister update uh she says no i think i only saw it once you must have been into it so <laughs> well it's probably you know you're a young boy young uh, yeah. heterosexual cisgendered boy uh you know christina applegate i'm I assume hold some, uh, you know, oh, yeah. box oh, office draw for you. Stone Cold Fox. <laughs> As previously stated. Still to this day. Um, yeah, she's very attractive. She's a comely lass, I always yes. say. <laughs> I think this will be a good one because this is a good um, era where I was like, I was young enough that I haven't seen it in a long time. Also an era where I saw, I saw this a lot of times. So I had... From a kid's standpoint, I had no excuse. It's not like I saw it once and was like, I think I like that. No, I love this movie. I still quote it. 
That I can attest 30, to. And I, every time I'd be like, "What? why'd you say that weird sentence in that cadence? And you're like, oh, it's from this movie you've never seen. <laughs> Which is a lot of my dialogue. <laughs> I think it's on Hulu right now. So we should be able to just pull that on up with this Hulu subscription. Into the old uh, Hulu box. Definitely one I use all the time. And uh, definitely didn't just watch the first season of Handmaid's Tale and then never touch it again. So... Uh, that what I like is also the user interface is not uh, maddening to use. That's what I also appreciate about the Hulu uh, system. I like when I try to fast forward or rewind, and instead it just kind of shuts down. That's what I. That's that's a nice feature. Yeah. I like when I've obviously been watching a show for three seasons and it thinks I'm done. <laughs> this podcast, so it just removes it from my keep watching list. I appreciate that. This podcast brought to you by Hulu. Thank you, Hulu. <laughs> Damn it! Um, we should get a Hulu sponsorship. Sure. Yeah, Hoots, what are you doing? I'll wear a sweater that color green. Yeah, we can get 0.01% of the things that we watch covered by that. Um, (laughs) Watch along with us. Uh, We'll be back in a bit. Do you remember that one time when we had a wealthy benefactor that, that paid for our podcast, but then he died and then you didn't tell me? You just, you just pretended like nothing was happening. Every time I called, you're like, oh no, he's ha- having his, his pipe refinished. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, what, what? And then the next time you're like, he's having his monocle, uh, polished. And I was like, oh, okay. And I believe that every time. Um, but then eventually I found out the ruse, you know, the, the jig was up. The ruse was up. What is the, what do you do? What happens to a ruse? The jig and the ruse can both be up, but, but not simultaneously. <laughs> Is the, the is the rule on a the, ship? On a ship, ru- that's the rule. The Rusey jig is up, and uh, we decided, okay, wealthy benefactors are not the way to go. We're going to have to get a Patreon page. And yeah, that's true. I remember this conversation well. Everyone while we buried him, and while we were shovel in hand, we got to find a new way to make money. Not, oh, woe is us. We mourn the loss of a dear friend. We need money. Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. If you want to uh, help fill in the gap left by uh, Mr. Middleston 10. Middleston 10. He was related to both uh, Jonathan Kingston and Kate Middleton. And for some reason, rather than <laughs> taking one of the names, he took them both. And- by the way, I want to congratulate myself on. <laughs> On using a real person, Kate Middleton, and a person I made up, John or possibly James Kingston. Why couldn't I think of anyone else? Tom Hiddleston is what I thought. Oh, it was right there, but I refused. He knows Patreon. why. Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. What a terrible commercial. <laughs> okay, we're back. We watched this movie. Yes. We did it. Um, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I love a full sentence and a title. I don't know if I've said that. I love a imperative sentence uh, that gives me instruction on what I should be doing during the movie or what I should not be doing, specifically not telling our shared mother. I like the, the idea that I have their mom's number, you know? I mean, it's ludicrous. Just let me watch the movie. Yeah. Stop putting all this burden on me. I don't know the woman. Stop. You're the one who got yourself in this mess in the first place. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of, why don't you uh, describe to the people? Maybe oh, someone didn't didn't get to watch watch this movie. Why don't you recap it for them? Just real quick, just real quick. Give me thirty seconds. You got the timer on the bottom. Thirty seconds. You got it. Go. No problem. Uh, the succinct plot outline of DTM TBD is: there are five siblings. Mom's going away for for two months. She sets them up with a babysitter. A babysitter's name is unimportant. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, because I have, I have that feeling she's not long for this movie. <laughs> no spoilers, please. Title of movie. Um, if if you look up if you look it up in the Library of Congress, you already yell no spoilers at just the the back end of the DVD, DVD box. Um, the yeah, she dies. She's a strict woman. She's no nonsense, but she dies in her sleep. <laughs> Which the best is some, way to go. Some amount of nonsense. <laughs> It does seem like a, a modicum of nonsense. Uh, she dies, and the kids uh, realize, um, you know, that all of us have a soul, and all of us are worthy of dignity. So they pack her corpse in a trunk and dump it off in a funeral home's doorstep, sort of as like a reverse uh, baby, a reverse <laughs> Moses is what I call it. <laughs> Not to be confused with a reverse osmosis. <laughs> um, so... Now that she's out of their lives and her corporeal being as well, um, they realize, oh shit, the ma, the money that mother le left to us, it was on her, her body. Um, and we can't retrieve it or else we'll have, uh, you know, identified ourselves to the authorities. Uh, so Christina Applegate gets a job. She meets Josh Charles at a fast food restaurant. They hit it off, but she quits soon after. Um, falsifies her information, gets a job at a uniform-making uh, uh, company. Um, but uh, she sort of has to take on the maternal woes of the every woman, of mm -hmm. trying to have it all, like Liz Lemon would have, it, have me phrase it. Um, having a job and raising a family are... Uh, Everyone's terrible. The children are terrible. Uh, there's a stoner brother. He doesn't help at all. Yada, yada, yada. A bunch of hijinks, uh, for lack of a better term, ensue. Some soap opera nonsense. Eventually, she has to put on a big uh, to-do for the company in order to save the company. And wouldn't you know it, uh, she's able to pull it off. But that same day, her mother returns back from Australia I'm just done. as she's mm. able to save Gaw. Uh, the company for which she works. General um, Apparel West. Is that what it was? General Apparel I West? think so. But I, the minute I saw it, I was like, Gah! Uh, <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, the kids grow a little bit themselves, um, some of which, some of those kids I could even name. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but mom is has had it, and she's just like, what's going on here? You're grounded. And, uh, you know, <laughs> then they all hug, and she kisses Josh Charles, and uh, the last line of the, the movie is <laughs> twist. She was going to Australia with Josh Charles. Um, anyway, uh, the last line of the movie is, uh, or at least the last line of the pre-credits movie is, where is the babysitter? And then, uh, you know, if I was in charge, I would have had the title come back again. I love that in a movie where it has to yeah. remind you what movie you've been yeah. watching. And all of a sudden, that didn't it, happen in this case. They were very confident that you would remember this to the end of your days. And it would play Hall and Oates. Just, you make my dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the appropriate thing. I know that was over 30 seconds, but, you know, when yeah, I get into the weeds well of DTM TBD, I can't help it. <sighs> Now, is Babysitter 
Is that one word? Or is that- I would say, yeah, babysitter is one word, yes. I think babysitter's club spells it with a dash or a, uh, is that a hyphen? Is it- uh, well, you know, um, I believe the babysitter's club was written in the 1600s when they would still hyphenate tomorrow and today. So, I mean, it's sometimes archaic to put I that think everybody in knows the babysitter's club books were Chicago style and we're MLA here. So... <laughs> DJ, I want you to, I just want you to get it out of your system. Just shake it off. I want you to just, you know, give us the quote rundown. Give us the ones you remember from your ute. Okay. Um, Well, the ones I still uh, say fairly often, mm -hmm. aside from respect the meat, which is uh, uh, a written slogan on the, where she, she very briefly works at, what is it? Clown dog. Uh, Clown dog, yes. Where she meets Josh Charles, the love interest character. And it's just on the back wall, it's just written in big letters, respect the meat, which I've never said in my life. But maybe maybe I'll start. Yeah, um, maybe that's why your meat gets so much disrespect. It's like the Rodney <laughs> Dangerfield of meat. Um, I'm right on top of that, Rose. That's one that uh, I say uh, in, a, in an inappropriate amount because it doesn't really apply. It is um, the top GIF if you look up uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead GIF. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, I, I have more to say about I'm right on top of that rose, but I want to save that for later. Um, I have a comment about that as well, but yes. Um, Go on. The, the Of course, the main one, though, is the dishes are done, man. So yeah. at some point, Kenny is uh, the, the stoner brother. He's quote-unquote helping, and <sighs> he does the dishes by having his friends throw them like uh like clay pigeons and he shoots the dishes with a gun. Yeah. Um and he says the dishes are done man which is the thing I say every time the dishes are done in my house. That uh, seems like the most appropriate time to say it. I'll have to <laughs> hand it to you. Um I've also said before cuz at some point um later in the movie Kenny's actually helping and they have this funny much scene. later in the movie. Yes, like towards the very end, and they have this funny scene where it's, it's, they're you're arguing like a married couple. He's like, "You never take me anywhere anymore," and then he's whisking the couch, which is a thing we used to do in the nineties. Um, <laughs> and she's like, "I didn't say that you had to whisk the couch," and he says, "Well, it needed it," which is the thing <laughs> I've said fairly often. Uh, that's that's those are the main ones. Do you have yeah. more? I mean, there are other no. quotes, obviously. There's a whole movie filled with dialogue, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, like a tone poem. <laughs> it's not just a Charlie Chaplin movie where a black card comes up with dialogue every few minutes. Um, just to keep me in the loop. Now, I imagine While an movie- old woman just plays the piano in front of my TV. <laughs> um, I imagine this, this old movie just caught you right away because we got a we got a cartoon intro and i know you're a sucker for the cartoon intro i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think if you had told me that i would have written the most notes i have ever written about one of our movies about don't tell mom the babysitter's dead (laughs) i would have told you fuck you and you're a liar But I wrote my standard amount of notes, four pages, and then I rewrote them because they were all higgledy-piggledy into uh, a system. Whoa. Um, so I have one on this here? page and this page. You can't see it on the, the podcast, of course, um, but use your mind's eye, Well, let say. me tell you, listeners, you are missing out. I look like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
The animated opening. Okay. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> Here's the first thing you're out so much. I don't know. Um, I got really excited when I saw the animated opening, as you might assume, as you already have uh, assumed you've assumed. Um, <laughs> that was a big thing. I feel like in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah. I think we had it in mannequin. Um, yep. true Beverly Hills also had one. Yep. It's always fun to see. It was a, that was the thing to do at the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it was makes like, it, okay, makes you know, you're in for a, a comedy. Yeah. I'm in for a comedy, maybe not entirely grounded in reality. And I was ready for like, you know, cartoon versions of Christina Applegate to come by cartoon versions of who I didn't know was in the movie, but I eventually would learn that David Duchovny was in this movie. <laughs> um, I figured, uh, you know, that would happen. But instead it was just a fairly brief, you know, maybe 15 second long animation of, uh, an old woman, uh, fighting with a barca lounger for a little bit. And then that was it. Yeah. And then it ended and it just went to was- real life again. I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I guess you gave me the idea that there is an old woman, uh, presumably the babysitter and, yeah. uh, she'll be seated during some point of it's, the movie. It seems like the cartoonist had, only the title to go off of. And they gave them no more information than that about the movie, its stars, its plot. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, you that think gives it would, you... Usually you'd work in like, uh, even if you didn't work in cartoon versions of the stars, you'd work in like their names in a fun way. <laughs> no, that's not happening either. Um, I feel like what happened, I think you're right, but I don't I don't want to lay the blame on the cartoonist because I've been in this situation when I've done freelance work where people are like, hey, Damon, I would love for you to do this, this, and this. How much would that be? And I was like, oh, well, I charge this much an hour, and you know, just based on what you've said, it would probably take me about 24 hours to do, so that would be this amount. And yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want you to do this anymore. And I'm like, right. yeah, I didn't want to do it either, so that's why I charged that amount. <laughs> And so they were probably like, hey, can you do like a two-minute animation of like a fun like grandma <laughs> fighting with a chair? And he's like, yeah, it'll probably be about $20,000. And like, what if you did a five-second one and you just had to do the grandma in just an empty void? And he's like, I could probably do it for $2,000. And they're like, I like it. That sounds more like it. <laughs> <laughs> that is our opening credits budget. Because that probably my biggest uh, qualm with this movie is that the title, the very aggressive title of that I should not tell the mother that the babysitter has passed away, um, and that opening leads me to believe what type of movie I'm in for. And then when it starts, uh, while it's probably not the best version of that, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of ridiculousness. This house is disgusting and is making me itch in a way that I find weird. Um, the house is already so filthy at the beginning of the movie and the mom's just leaving for two months. Um, but I'm like, okay, this will be fun. And, and then, you know, the, the babysitter has her heel turn about uh, seven minutes into the movie where she, the mom leaves. The mom's rules. out of the movie in seven minutes. Yeah which is amazing. Um, and yeah, and she has a heel, the babysitter has a heel turn, but did you actually take a note of when the babysitter dies in this movie? Mm, like the time? No. Yeah. No. 12 minutes. Okay. She didn't uh-huh. even make it to the 15 minute mark. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay. And then, uh, it, it reminded me of field of dreams in that way. In that I assumed <laughs> what I thought field of dreams was about. 
and what I had assumed was over in 20 minutes. He had already built the baseball stadium and seen a ghost within the first act. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're just, are we already done? Is this it? Um, but this movie then becomes a movie about uh, office politics yeah. um, shortly after the babysitter has died. Right. Which is a turn I was not expecting, and we'll probably speak to. <laughs> well, it's not later. called "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Here" for most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought because she was such like a villainous character, and we obviously weren't supposed to give a shit about her dying, that we would get a little bit more comedy uh, out of her being like this uh, this evil bitch. I mean, one yeah. of the kids doesn't even meet her before she's dead. Kenny yeah. never even shares a scene with her yeah. before she's passed away. It was like the movie's just like, look, we already spoiled in the title. We just got to get it over with. Yeah, it's like the like you you're okay with the the burglars in Home Alone getting hit in the face with pink cans because you've seen them aggressively attack this child. True. Although, I mean, I still have issues with it. But well, I was just gonna say, I feel like maybe also you're offended because. The, the the only thing the 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 babysitter does is lay down some rules, and you love rules. As a I kid, you would have been like, "Oh, thank God, this is fucking chaos." Oh yes, I would love to clean the baseboards. Thank you. Um, <laughs> They're filthy. <laughs> uh, I did. I do love rules. I also love a spreadsheet full of rules, which she put on a whiteboard, which I assume she brought herself. Which yeah. was nice. Yeah. I also like a whistle in a Captain Von Trapp sort of way, which she also provided free of charge. But like at the beginning of the movie, like there, when she's in charge, there's like a lot of high angle shots. There's dog reaction shots, even though those are like the laziest things in the world. I always appreciate a dog reaction shot. <laughs> While it's missing from this one, I love it when the dog has both of its paws in front of its eyes. That's great. I love that. Like he's wiping his eyes. Like he thinks he's people. Um, you also, there was a point where uh, horns were punctuating action when the kids were uh, looking for the money that mom left um, in the babysitter's uh, bedroom. Yeah. They're like horns, like zany, like Looney Tunes horns. I was like, oh, this movie's going to be off the chain. We'll see if I was right. <laughs> um. Well, uh, they can't find the money because it's with the the babysitter's bo body. So they decide they flip a pizza to decide who which of the older children is going to get a job, and so which is smart on the scriptwriters because they have no money. So it only makes sense that yeah. they would flip a pizza. I mean, just you spend that quarter and get yourself I don't know uh, uh, a baguette, a uh, uh, tuft of lettuce, <laughs> uh, a baguette, some tuna niçoise. You can be living off of that for a week. What else would would come out of a grocery bag in a movie? Uh, uh, celery is celery. always at the top of yeah. a, a thing of celery. So she gets a job initially at Clown Dog. Um, mm. And I, so this job, uh, food service is the, have you ever worked in food service? I worked at Wendy's for precisely six days. And I like, there are, I'm sure, worse jobs, but like food service is terrible. And I think they did a good job of being like a teenager working at a fast food, like a very disgusting food service job. Uh, and she, she's like elbow deep in it, like on the first day. And that is true. Uh, but it also, was a very visceral fast yeah. food restaurant. Yeah. And, but I have to say, and I'm, I'm setting this up because they set up the chili dog serving like <sighs> it's disgusting. 
but that chili dog looked pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyler said something about that chili dog as well. Um, uh, even though it looked like someone had poured like cherry syrup into the chili, it was disgusting. Um, I want to, though, two things bothered me about that scene. It was th- mercifully brief. Um, Clown Dog one. Clown Dog is the type of fast food restaurant that only exists in movies. Um, I feel like we saw this in She's All That, where she worked at the falafel stand and she had to wear the falafel on her head. Right. Um, and uh, I think I think that's like a holdover from like probably directors who were in their forties in the nineties, remembering like probably the fad fast food chains from the seventies that are trying to capitalize off McDonald's. But like by the mid nineties, we don't have like places that just have clown statues everywhere and balloons (laughs) lining the ceiling. I'm like, what place is this? (laughs) Um, It was disturbing and enthusiastic managers as well are still a holdover. I think from the seventies by the nineties, the middle class, the lower middle class has been decimated already. And that man would have been just as miserable as all his charges in that store. Yeah. I mean like he's, he's set up as like a, he's Mr. Egg, by the way, his name is Mr. Egg and he cracks. It's reported he had cracked when she, when she quits later. Do you get it? I think I'm picking up on it. Um, but he, he's very like, make sure you have a smile on your face. But like, I feel like, and it's exaggerated, but like, I feel like he's trying his best to like, uh, trying to hold motiv- it together motivate since his team. kids left. Anyway, I think that sucks. Like the job sucks. And, uh, the, the other thing, the other thing that bothered me about this scene is that, uh, in at post closing, Christina Applegate is trying to clean out, uh, a steamer tray. Um, fat fat. Yeah. And it's, uh, she keeps resting it on the edge of the sink. Then, jamming her sponge yeah. into it so that all the water splashes up. And I'm like, put it in the fucking sink. There's a sink thing. So when you do that, it won't splash everywhere. Yeah. And it was it's her maddening first day, to me. And she's clearly an idiot. It's her first day, like, cleaning anything? <laughs> I mean, you know, she's... Well, actually, I've seen that house. It is possibly... Yeah, it probably is. So she decides that she cannot... She cannot abide clown dog. Well, she won't do it. She can't and she won't. So she copies, mostly copies a resume from a book from about how to have a great resume. And her resume is bonkers. So <laughs> she is claiming to be older than she is, of course, because she's 17. But yeah, uh, but she has worked at Comme des Garçons in Tokyo. She's mm-hmm. worked at Bloomingdale's. And the job she had at least included the year 1979. So this was this movie was <laughs> like taking place in like ninety ninety one. So she's had a job twenty one years ago, um, and we yeah we find out that she was born in nineteen seventy three. So yeah. uh, according to her ID, so yeah she's been busy. She's been a busy working day woman. She is. Uh, she worked at Barney's, Calvin Klein, uh, Vogue, Esprit, and she went to Vassar. Uh, this only right. works because she happens to bump into Rose who make, lets her jump the line. She's, she's applying for a secretary job so that the secretary can have the job that she ends up getting as the executive assistant, uh, to, or what is it? Executive. There's another word in there that I'm forgetting. Executive personal assistant. Is that executive right? Administrative assistant. Yes. Yeah. Executive administrative assistant yep. because it's uh, constantly spat at her by Carolyn, the, the spurned yes. receptionist. And I think that's like making fun of that 
title too. They say it so many times. Um, and so that this only works because if she had been met with a personnel manager, they would have, you know, called a reference or something. Um, cause I was yeah. a little worried about this, like seeing her resume and I'm like, how in the fuck? But she just happens to run into Rose and Rose like, I like the cut of your jib slick. And she looks at her resume and she's like, holy shit, I'm too faster too. Come on in. You can have this other job that this person's been finding This for. better job that's also somehow available. Yeah. But I hate this woman that wants the job, which is fair. That sounds about right. Um, we also get the first instance of what I like to call Rose's theme. Like every time Rose <laughs> goes up, have you noticed they, they play? It's not really a theme. Hold on. Do you have it queued up? Is this a is this an audio clip? No, but I'll let me see. If I, I do have a comment about the the music in this. Actually, she has like is it is it the one that has a harmonica? It's like a droning harmonica in the background, no, and like sort of a, like a, a synthesizer. It's like a very oh. like like uh, I don't know, like almost lilting. It's like a very like if she was a fairy godmother, it'd be the same exact song. I did. There was there. There is one theme. I think it's when Gus shows up, where there's this harmonica droning. Mm. Um, it starts with a harmonica and then goes into this sort of staccato synthesizer sound. And I was like, this sounds exactly like uh, one of the song, one of the soundtrack pieces from Heather's. And I looked it up, and the guy uh, who did the soundtrack for this, David Newman, did the soundtrack for Heather's. Oh. And apparently, large swaths of this, I would say. I won't drag you into this, DJ, but I would say <laughs> are just lifted whole cloth from Heather's and just dumped into this movie. And the problem with Heather's is Heather's is like a high school murder sh yeah, movie. That is dark. So, and it's a movie I grew up with. So every time it popped up in this, um, or at least as a musicologist might say, was referenced in this piece. Um, <laughs> why would it, why I would was like, be a music who got killed? <laughs> I was trying to give David Newman more credit than he possibly okay. deserves because it just seemed like he was just lifting his own work from one movie and putting it in this Look, one. He's got, he's got, uh, he's a busy guy. Characteristic melody. So does John Williams. I think they're on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> Peas in a pod, sick as thieves, these two, John Williams and David Newman. They both have common names. <laughs> Do you have a, a big point about Gus? Do you want to talk about Gus? Ugh. Well, he, Gus is sort of like, uh, I lost my patience with this movie. I mean, it's, I don't think, I think I've hinted at this already, but I lost my patience with this movie when she got her office job, which is when it stopped being about like kids trying to figure out how to survive without any means. You wanted became, Lord of the Flies. That's what I wanted. did. I did. Well, I wanted, well, I wanted a comedy one. And I also <laughs> wanted something about, uh, you know, these kids who have been left with no authority figures and seeing like what would happen. And I assumed what would happen is that they would go Lord of the Flies for a little bit in at least a comedic sense. And then like turn the corner and realize, oh, we're going to die if we keep doing this. And then, you know, being able to take care of themselves. Instead, what I got was uh, QED reports. Yes. Hold on, let, I have this all written out. QED reports, some drama with the petty cash, resume falsification, um, some uh, scheming coworkers, yeah. um, and Gus, the sexual harassing uh, middle manager that's sleeping with Joanna Cassidy or, or Rose, and also hitting on Christina Applegate's character. And I was just like, how many plots can one movie 
<laughs> maintain. And this movie was like, oh, don't worry. We won't be maintaining this. And I'm like, great. Uh, <laughs> um, but Gus was like, what would you, if you had to rate all the plots in this movie, I would put them at E plot, maybe F plot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe C or D. Oh, see, I would put as uh, Carolyn and David Duchovny. What yeah, was David Duchovny's name? Urgent. Rocky? Bruno? It was some ludicrous name. I don't know. Mulder? Uh, <laughs> Fox Mulder? What a ludicrous name! Gus is like if Jim Carrey was asked to play like a creepy guy. Like, he is not like a human being at all. He's like <laughs> a... Just like a walking stack of sexual harassment papers. Like, Oh yeah. He was, he was giving strong flirty uncle vibes. Yeah. It yeah. was just like, you feel harmless, but still like, stop it. You're really like creeping people out. And he's always doing weird stuff with his mouth. <laughs> oh, eyebrow and mouth. Yeah. Emotions. Yeah. Gross. Um, as, so we, we always run into this issue because you actually, work and have worked in an office and I correct. I have barely dabbled in the world of office. So like sometimes I encounter things in movies and then I'm like, there's no way that's a real thing. So tell me about all the stuff on her desk. Now, some of this is, this is 91, uh, but she has a Rolodex. Now that's, that's of the time, obviously, but yeah. she has a dictionary just sitting there. Tyler pointed that out that she yeah. had a dictionary on her desk, uh, which seems weird. Um, but hey, you know, I don't know what's going on with spell check. Although Rose does mention she has Lotus Notes yes. on her computer. Yeah. Um, and Lotus Notes also had spell check at the time. So what's the deal? Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to hit on. She's got Lotus Notes. So, and I don't, uh, I've never, that was a little before my time. So I don't think either of us are using Lotus. But uh, I, I did use Lotus Notes when I was a teen, wor working at Barney's. Of course, um, we 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 used Lotus Notes on my uh, family computer when we were young. Not well, only I was young; my parents were adults. They weren't young too. That would be weird. Not to be confused with Flotus Notes, which uh, just talks about uh, how you shouldn't cyberbully while the boss <laughs> cyberbullies from the next door room, the office next door. Right after uh, Suellen gets the job, the kids debrief at Chuck E. Cheese's. Um, she yes. tells them about, about her new job. And I don't want to use this opportunity to talk about uh, what's going on with Chuck E. Cheese right now as of 2020. Um, what's happening with Chuck E. Cheese? So just, just off the top, just off the top of your head, tell me some things about Chuck E. Cheese. What is it? I'm an alien. I don't know what Chuck E. Cheese is. Explain it to me. Uh, it's pizza restaurant whose pizza is so shitty that they have to distract you by um, animatronic uh, <laughs> cartoons all around you playing terrible music, as well as uh, a mouse who, when I was a child, was styled as like a casino, um, <laughs> a casino magnate, but I think is now an box. inline skater. <laughs> Uh, he's now an inline skater, which is probably just as dated to kids today as a casino magnate was to me <laughs> as child. Um but uh, otherwise, I haven't been. I've been in a Chuck E. Cheese maybe three times in my entire life, and uh, all I remember is not being entertained by the the robots playing side playing note, music. Side note: We originally had Showbiz Pizza. I don't know if you ever had that. It was eventually. Oh well, I remember. I I, I was I born was in New bought. York, so we had Chuck E. Cheese 
pizza. Yeah. And then when we moved to Texas, I realized that showbiz pizza was a thing, but that it still had the goddamn casino mouse as its mascot. And I was like, what's the deal? And that's when I learned about uh, regional differences in corporations. Yeah. So was that like, because eventually the showbiz pizza became Chuck E. Cheese in our region. So I don't know if that like, if they bought them out or if they were already the same company. I don't know. I wonder if, I don't know if they were maybe a buyout and then slowly integrated into Chuck E. Cheese. And maybe when I landed in Texas was when they were like, we'll keep your name, but you're going to get the mouse. Um, and then maybe over time they were just like, you know what? I'm tired of printing off two letterheads. We're all going <laughs> to be Chuck E. Cheese now. Uh, so anyway, you hit on the main... You have some sort of Chuck E. Cheese updates yes, for us? Yes. Is that what you were yes. <laughs> leading into? Yes. Uh, there's a point to this tangent. Uh, so you hit on the... I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it's a good point. <laughs> I'm saying we got to fill an hour. Uh, so uh, you may, you hit on the main thing, which is that famously... Chuck E. Cheese is a place your kids want to go because it's a fucking kid arcade. Um, oh, I forgot the arcade part. That's the main thing it is. It's a it's a place for games and for redeeming your tickets for shitty prizes. But then they it's have It's literally pizza. a casino for children. It is. It, it is. But they're known for having pretty bad pizza. Um, and during this time of a worldwide pandemic, uh, lots of restaurants are that normally wouldn't be considered for takeout or delivery are offering those services to stay in business to get their people employed uh, and to make money, of course. Um, And Chuck E. Cheese was offering, I can't remember if it was takeout and delivery or just takeout. And of course, no one wanted their shitty, shitty pizza. So they changed the name to, I think, Pasquale's Pizza is one of the, like the other characters, like the human guy character. And so oh, they've been trying to, to like, trick me yeah. into thinking there's a new pizzeria that's opened, unfortunately, during the pandemic, and I should give him my money. And it's for people that want a more premium pizza experience. Now, it's cooked in the same kitchen as Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> By the same acne-riddled teenagers, I would assume. Hey, people are just trying to make a lot I can okay? say it. I was an acne-riddled yeah. teenager. Anyway, I just thought that was a, it was a relevant uh, Chuck E. Cheese note, and that's all that's I can that's amazing. Thank you. I, I will uh, try to avoid their services in the future. And in the parking lot of Chuck E. Cheese, we get the most important development of this movie. This is plot, plot yeah. D, I think, which is that drag queens steal their car, <laughs> steal the babysitter's car that they've been using. That is true. That was uh, a point um, that was in the movie. Um, I appreciated that the drag queens were there. I appreciated that it didn't seem all that homophobic that, that it was happening. They aside just call from the fact drag that queens. this just happened. Yeah. Although it was, it, it, it registered with me because that was the moment I realized that I think this movie was written with an R rating in mind and executives were like, no, yeah, you're going to be a PG 13 movie because a there is a edited. scene. There's a few dubs. Uh, he does scream at that point. What are you queens doing to our car? But it's obviously dubbed and his mouth does not match what he's saying. Um, I don't think he said anything homophobic. I think he originally said, what are you bitches doing to our car? Or mm. something to that effect, um, based on what I could tell from his mouth. Um, but there's also a scene where um, Christina Applegate is fed up, as any reasonable human being would be, with with Kenny's stoner antics. Um, and she calls him... Uh, you lazy little punk, yeah. but her mouth also does not match that. I assume she called him a lazy little prick. Yeah, It's um, very clear she's a prick. And then uh, early on in the movie, when the mom is still there, so early on within the first six minutes of the movie, um, 
uh, Kenny is leaving the house with his stoner friends. He uh, says something about mom being in one of her Terminator moods, but his mouth also does not match what he's saying. So who knows what he said Mm. there? But I have a feeling that uh, originally it was going to be, I was going to lean into a hard R rating, at least terms of language and um, backed away. Hmm. I assume the executives probably like, no, no, no one's going to see this movie. So at least let's get some teenagers who couldn't get into a more, much more popular movie. Yeah. Some teenager runoff. <laughs> That's what you want. Definitely. Uh, no one wants that. So at the end of a long day, Rose, mm-hmm. Rose tells Sue Ellen, she's got to relax, put some cucumbers over her eyes. And then Sue Ellen says, I don't have a cucumber. And she says, Everyone over was it over over twenty five needs a cucumber in their house. Was she saying you stick a cucumber up your hoo ha? Is that what she's? I, I couldn't tell because um, one of the themes of this movie is never saying anything in the cadence of a joke. <laughs> so uh, it's said with all seriousness, and my fifteen year old boy brain goes, "Are you talking about masturbating with vegetables?" She says it um, or, wryly with a with a wry smile, I would say. Well, everything that Joanna Cassidy says in this movie is sort of said with a sort of <laughs> May West sort of <laughs> uh, um but uh yeah, I couldn't tell if that was a purposeful joke or a weird little line. Probably a purposeful joke. I mean, I feel like everyone every Woman over twenty five Every woman needs a cucumber. Every woman over twenty five should just buy a fucking vibrator, you know. Yeah, just buy. Just don't feel ashamed. Grow and up. Who knows? Who knows what sort of pesticides are on that cucumber? Just get, yeah, and you have to like keep buying them. They're gonna rot like gross. Yeah, it's just a lot of work. I want to say one thing that's very important in this time, and that is to the character. I want to say this to the character Kathy, which is a uh, she is a sort of mousy voiced uh, character that Swellen comes upon who loves she wanted the job that Sue Ellen got is well way more qualified in that she has any qualifications yes um and but she agrees to do the QED reports for Sue Ellen which is great yes because she does not know how to do them um but at one point Kathy is sick but she comes into the office anyway and this is usually I've been doing pretty good with watching TVs, TV shows and films and not freaking out about people being close together or like t- uh, shaking hands or hugging or, or whatever. <laughs> but this one, uh-huh. Kathy, like coming in, blowing snot and then handing a QED report to somebody like maybe be like, Kathy, stay the fuck home if you're sick. Well, she has to bring that QED report at the very specific time that it's most advantageous to the plot <laughs> so that no tension can ever be built uh, or resolved uh, regarding that subplot that's been dragged on for the entirety of the movie. I would argue um, that that sets up more more attention in this case because she hands it to what's her name, uh, Carolyn. Carolyn, the the well, she, that nemesis. does set up some tension. That sets up some t- tension that is immediately resolved uh, within seconds. Because Rose, the movie's like, I don't want to keep this up anyway. Because yeah. <laughs> Carolyn comes around and is so snidely uh, proud of herself. She comes up to Rose, Sue Ellen's boss, and says, well, look, here's the QED report. It looks like Kathy's been working on it uh, for Sue Ellen. And uh, Rose, you think, oh, my God, oh, no, she's going to lose her job because, uh, you know, she's... She just found out that Kathy's been old, working doing this work. She gives her the old uh, but Rose of a bitch. Is, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you son of a bitch. Good job. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's very proud that that Sue Ellen had the uh, Mishigas to 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 delegate the task to Kathy. Um, what I assume this this sort of plot with Kathy. Kathy, by the way, is played by Kimmy Robertson, who. Um, a lot of Twin Peaks fans will recognize from Twin Peaks, but she also just ha- she has a cartoon voice. She yes. has the voice of a cartoon character. Yes. Um, but uh, she, what I assume that where this was going is that eventually, when the ruse was inevitably revealed that um, Sue Ellen is a teenage child, um, she'd be like, "Look, Rose, you should hire Kathy. She obviously wants the job and obviously can do the job." And especially during I, I the last scene when Kathy arrives. Job. But can't she do that? <laughs> and here's the QED report that says, yes, in fact, she can also do the job. But uh, even in the last scene, Kathy comes up and she's like, this is my husband, Norman. And I'm like, why are we learning so much about Kathy? Oh, because we're gonna, she's going to get the job of her dreams. The movie's like, no, we're not, it's not going to be brought up again. Resolve that. Yeah. The QED report is a long string of these subplots that just get resolved oftentimes by the scheming co-workers that are plotting uh david duchovny and carolyn um sort of become the david and montana if i can reference soap dish which i can't um they are scheming against sue ellen um and every plot they come up with they shoot down themselves so they find uh sue ellen's falsified resume and they know it's been falsified and david duchovny's like we need something better than that and then they find uh that the petty cat they overhear that the petty cash drawer is empty from sue ellen and they investigate in the middle of the night uh and they find that the petty cash drawer is indeed empty but has the most sloppily written receipts in it and they're like ah they, she got us again. We can't. We can't bring this up against her. Literally, written, um, one of them written in crayon by the stoner friends of Kenny. Exactly. Uh, so this movie, uh, the mo- one of the things that drove me insane about this movie is that uh, farces stress me out because, especially if they're sort of just like by the books farces, I just get annoyed because I'm just waiting for the obvious to happen. Right. And so the minute she sees the petty cash box and she's like, Oh, I can dip into the petty cash to, you know, cover, uh, you know, household essentials before my paycheck arrives. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Um, she's going to steal all the money. She's not going to be able to pay it back. She's going to get fucked over and then she's going to lose a job and the ruse will be up. So it drags this on for the entire movie, stressing me out to no end. <laughs> and then when it finally comes up, they're like, ah, oh, I guess it's not a big deal. She's got these shittily written receipts. And I'm like, so you stress me out. You don't even give me the plot resolution that w- it seemed like you were leading towards. You don't even seem to have the wherewithal to, to do something clever with the fact that you're uh, being counterintuitive with your narrative. It was just infuriating and the fact that they constantly kept doing it with the QED report being delegated with the petty cash receipts. It was just mind boggling. The kids got a whole new entertainment system. Nope. No consequences. Um, Walter breaks his leg. No consequences. The fact that her paycheck is less than expected. No consequences. I don't mean that she needs to be thrown in jail, but at least some sort of narrative setback in any way. Even during the big party where Christina Applegate like has to admit that it's all been a lie, Joanna Cassidy comes up at the end of the, the party and says, oh, they didn't care about the scene. They all just loved your ideas. It all worked out. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. What did you want to happen? 
like so, <laughs> if you're going to build to something, like uh, imagine a romantic comedy. If you're lying the entire yeah, first two right. acts, when the person finds out that you've been lying, I don't mean that she should shoot you in the face, but at least like have some sort of narrative hiccup where she's like, I don't want to talk to you again because you've been deceiving me in the most incalculable way. And then, you know, he makes some sort of effort to apologize and then they get together in the end. That's what I wanted. But this movie just kept dragging on the tension, this dramatic irony of like, here it comes. The other shoe's going to drop. And then when someone would figure out the ruse, they're like, ah, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, she falsified her resume, but what are we supposed to do? We're just two schemers who yeah. like opportunities to to claw our way up in the world. Why would we take advantage of this information? Yeah, it's, I mean, the, 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 there are consequences. They're just immediately resolved. Like Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that the movie sets up so many... B, C, D, E, F, G subplots, and they all just sort of just get like like a hand wipe across the table near the end of the movie. Like, we can't resolve all this. You get the idea. I was just like, what is this movie even about? And then the biggest irony of all is that the last line of the movie is, where is the babysitter? And then the movie just ends. <laughs> I was like, you're not even going to bother with that. Okay. <laughs> I did like the, uh, did, did, at the end of the party, my favorite thing, um, I feel like this is a trope in movies, but because I was already exasperated by this movie, it really was called to my attention, where uh, the party is a complete kerfuffle at the end. Everyone leaves, seemingly in disgust, although Joanna Cassidy tells us later it was, it was fine, and she's got all these meetings set up next week. But uh, as Christina Applegate is like rushing through resolving any loose threads of the movie. Everyone's just stationed in different parts of the lawn and she just walks up to them, talks to them, and then walks up to another person, talks to them, walks up to Josh Charles, talks to him. I was like, wow, just everyone, uh, you really took their cues and just went off to different trees in the front yard and just waited for Christina Applegate to show up. It's almost like they're, they're, where they were supposed to stand had been marked for them. <laughs> you write it down in a script. Your problem is... Where do I stand? Somebody told me. Your problem is that it's a movie, I think. <laughs> yes, DJ. The only problem with this movie is that it's a movie. My main issue with this movie is that... Lay it on Is me. that... Uh, was Walters, the little kid, right? Uh, spends... Yeah. The, the one I thought was a Culkin, but was not a Culkin. Right. He looks like a proto-Culkin. Um, yeah, we were still working on the technology. <laughs> he spends a shitload of the petty cash money, which he steals out of Swellen's purse, on a brand new entertainment system, which is like <laughs> eight feet tall, and the TV is the same size <laughs> as it were. Yeah, the TV is was. still like a 27-inch TV, but just on a giant mount. With like... 11 receivers for some reason. <laughs> and there's like a stack of empty VHS tapes. It says like Max And I'm like, is that part it? of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you also notice this? This was, this was my thing. And maybe it's just because I've seen these type of TVs for the past, you know, 30 years. But the TV already seemed grimy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It already seemed like covered in, in dust and grime of just like the TV you see at Goodwill where the play button sort of just been wiped off over right. the course of like 20 years <laughs> or just people pressing it. Um, I was like, dude, at least get a better TV. Or maybe it was just the environment of that house because that house was just giving me... It was like Grey Gardens, that house. Yeah, they had a pool the whole fucking time. You've got children that you're trying to keep entertained... Clean the pool. Throw them in the pool. Clean the pool. It's a total hoarder house. Like, it's especially like at the very beginning, you see it 
and then you see it a little bit throughout, but then at the end when they have to clean it, you're like, holy shit, they had to paint the house like to make it yeah. presentable. I mean, I don't want to mom shame anyone, but there was part of me that I was like, you're going to Australia? Have you seen this fucking place? What are you doing? There's clearly... I thought that that would happen yeah. over the course of the movie, but the fact that the movie opened and the house is already in Grey Garden-style squalor, I was just like, what in the hell is everyone doing here? And I think I have fleas. I'm just going to scratch my ankles constantly. I don't think... We needed to get more into the mom's depression from... <laughs> <laughs> possibly stemming from the the husband leaving and uh, leaving her in the lurch. Sort of in the vein of like all the subplots sort of being resolved, the movie also goes through the motions of setting up all these alternative courses of action the children could take. And then rather than giving us even like bullshit reasons why the kids uh, don't want to take those, they just sort of shake their heads. Like, should we follow up with dad? And they're like, should we call Aunt Pat? Shake their head. Yeah. Like, should we call one of mom's friends? Shake their head. I'm like, why can't you do any? Like, just give me some stupid <laughs> reason. Or why didn't you just pretend the dad's dead? Why do you have to have a dad who just who you just don't want to reach out to? <laughs> it's just all these little things that I feel like a smarter movie would have just made, like, I'm not talking about, like, we have to have a scene with the dad. Like, Judd Apatow would probably, like, cast Loudon Wayne right as the dad. Right. And he would, like, keep coming in in six different scenes. Where, like, the movie's, like, two and a half hours long. <laughs> I just mean, like, some bullshit, like, jack-off reason. Like, oh, we can't do the dad's also in Australia or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they just said, like, Kenny's, like, dad won't care or something like that. Right, and I was like, well, why won't dad care? Yeah. It's t- it, the dad won't care that his children have no money and the babysitter's died? Yeah. Oh, also, we should call the cops because the babysitter's dead. Well, cops will ask a lot of questions. I'm like, you've been alone for six hours. Yeah. <laughs> just just talk to the cops. It's not, it, you know, pe- human beings aren't elves of Middle Earth. They're like, die. You don't have to explain well, it. Well, they were saying that the cops would call mom and then mom would come home. Yeah. That seems like the best course <laughs> of action. Well, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a very kid logic, yeah. but it just like drove me. The movie, like, don't even pay lip service to these alternatives if you don't want to, like, entertain them. But don't, like, keep listing things that seem completely logical and just have kids shake their heads at the options. All right. You want to go to the verdict? Let's go. Oh, what is your verdict? This movie, uh, DJ, I think this movie talks about female empowerment in a way that I found encouraging. <laughs> um, uh, you have Sue Ellen, you've got Rose, you've got Mother in a way, you've even got Miss Babysitter. <laughs> you know, uh, I think this is the uh, feminist hit of 1991. I'm just kidding. This movie's terrible. <laughs> it's an poorly written padded out movie uh where they they uh for lack of a better term blew their wad in 12 minutes and realized oh shit i guess we'll put her like in an office and just have her deal with a bunch of stuff uh this movie is described as a comedy and i think i would be more frustrated with it if there were parts of it where i recognized failed jokes <laughs> but it just seemed like an office dramedy Played as like a cartoon. No one was ever making jokes. Um, 
but everything seemed to be very lighthearted and kind of zany, but I could never point to a place where, ooh, that joke landed weird, because I couldn't recognize any jokes. No one was ever saying any jokes. Even the dishes are done, man, is like just a statement said by a stoner. It seems like a legitimate, like some, that's something a stoner would say and think was funny, but isn't actually that funny. It's more realistic than anything else in this movie. This movie is terrible, and I resent that we watched it. <laughs> Like, the people that were in it, I mean, at least, I mean, David Duchovny's fine, but uh, Christina Applegate can hold her own uh, comedic chops. Like, she has shown, I mean, in Married with Children, but even in her later career in Anchorman and and uh, I've been watching other Dead things to that me. are on Netflix. Oh, yeah, she's, Dead to Me. She's killing it in that. Like She's great, but I don't think she's ever given anything to actually do here. Um, all the characters are sort of lazily drawn. I mean, half the kids... I mean, did we need so many kids? There's five kids in this movie. The blue-eyed kid, I'm like, is he just the lovelorn one? The girl from Halloween 3, she like, at the beginning of the movie, she's like burning cockroaches like a sociopath, and then we just sort of forget about her for a bit, and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to care that she has baseball practice? This movie's just like all over the place. It just seems like it was quilted together. It's a piece of shit. It's terrible. <laughs> your, your child is an idiot. <laughs> Your inner child, not your child. Oh my God. Jesus, <laughs> Rain it in. All right, I'm done. DJ, what did you think about this movie? I acknowledge all of the issues that you raised as well as uh, that I raised. Um, I would never contend that this is a good movie, but I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I feel like that's what's coming. Well,. <laughs> I didn't. What I expect when I come to a movie that I haven't seen in a while that I liked is not what I'm having right now. Having watched this one, I wasn't like, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking? I was like, Yeah, this is exactly what I remember. In that, it's not. I agree that it's a weird kind of comedy because it's like, is it a comedy? Yeah, but is it funny? No, not really. Um, which is weird because it's like, that's kind of the idea of a comedy, but like, it's almost like the premise is funny, but the, like nothing in the script itself on its face is funny. Yeah. It's just like, they thought that the premise itself and all the sort of little subplots would like sort of carry me into, yeah. you know, peals of laughter. And that just never happened. And it is a little like, cause I'm a human being. It's a little like disjointed because it, it's like kind of sweet in some ways, like the, the love interest with the love story with Christina Applegate and Josh Charles is like kind of sweet. And then it's like a little bit sweet with, uh, you know, the, how the, the family comes together, but all the maturing that the family does happens in like the last five minutes before they have to pull off this big party. And so it's a little bit like if it's earned at all, it's barely earned. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you see the coming together. It's like against each other, against each other, against each other, a little bit of growth. And then like, boom, a lot of growth at the end. They sort of like all agree. Yeah. That is and basically it all, it all kind of p is pinned on Kenny, which makes, it kind of makes sense in a family dynamic. Cause he's like the, even not, though he's not the oldest, he's the one that's oldest when Sue Ellen's gone. She's taken on the role of mom and he's taken on the, the role of oldest sibling. And so when he turns it around, starts getting interested in Julia child and making <laughs> Belgian waffles, uh, he, and solely Belgian waffles. And only Belgian waffles for a while. But he like is the one that kind of motivates the rest of the group. He feels like shit because he should have been there for his little brother 
who falls off the roof and breaks his leg. And that's kind of the, mm. the turning point for him. Now, like that, that explanation is a little smoother than what actually happens in the movie. But like, it makes sense if you sort of like... That is actually the first time that I've actually pieced that yeah, together. That, that is the switch for the him. The movie kind of blows that transition, I think. But that that makes sense. Like something horrible happens. It could have been a lot worse. His brother's fine. And he decides that he's got to kind of like step up. And, and he realizes mm-hmm. that he's sort of letting it all unfall on his sister's shoulders. And he, you know, and then you get the, the funniest bit I think is that argument that they have where he's like, you never even take me anywhere anymore. Like actually that was the only part of this movie where I recognized that what I was watching was an attempt at comedy. Yeah. And I was also surprisingly laughing at yeah. it. I was enjoying that part. It was good. It was um, Kenny, well done. Kenny drove me insane for the entire movie. He is, I mean, he is written to be a foil to Christina Applegate. Um, But he combines several things that I hate, which is um, teenagers, (laughs) stoners, um, people who don't clean up after themselves, um, and, like, this sort of self-righteous, like, hey, man, I'm just a fuck-up. Like, I'll show all y'all. And I'm like, will you, though? (laughs) Um, And... Uh, he just infuriated me because I was watching him simultaneously as a teenager, who I would hate that guy anyway, right. and also watching him as a man who's nearing his 40s, and I'm just like, fuck you, Kenny. You need to pull it together. So anyway, your inner child is not an idiot. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Okay. But I will say one thing, and uh, Lauren was yelling at the TV at this point. At the end of the movie... Rose has like forgiven Sue Ellen. She's really excited. She basically offers her the same job regardless of right, and or or gives her a, offers a helping hand to get into Vassar to right. then like to like kind of job. yeah. And <laughs> Lauren's like, take the job. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be saddled with debt? That's true. That is true. Things we know now. Um, what did you think, everybody? Email us. You're in a child's idiot at gmail.com. You can call us at 615-576-0525 and leave us a message and we'll play it on the show. Um, you can find us on all the uh, social medias, Damon. Uh, <laughs> you can find yes. us on, on Instagram. Uh, Damon does great drawings. Post them up there. Um, thanks to our friend uh, Sarah Shepard for helping us with our uh, social media lately. Um, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Um, you can find us on the other ones too, but that's the main one. There, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Facebook. Um, you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash you know, an idiot. Uh, we would like to thank our current patrons, including uh, uh, Dramatically Placed Hot Dog, which is the name of a person, <laughs> Primordial Burrito, Demons Australian Accent, <laughs> T Smith, <laughs> uh, Lindsay Nell, the supreme ruler of this podcast. The Zesty, another human being. Little Flick. Just Cuz. Still Jacob. humans. <laughs> Jacob Grimm, arguably a human. <laughs> Christine in Brooklyn. His Honor, the Mayor. Jeremy Powlin. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Kurd. Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. And Jonathan Day. Thank you all very much. We really appreciate your support. Um, you're helping us uh, keep the lights on in both of our houses because we got to record separately now. So. That's true, and there's a pandemic going on, so, you know, and, and my light bulbs are old and creaky. Old and creaky. And we <laughs> and we know that, everybody knows that the only person that can podcast in a mask is Tom Hardy. 
I am Gotham's reckoning. (laughs) You know, he sort of has a little bit of vocal fry himself. um, Your inner child is an idiot. (laughs) And he even sounds like he's always ending things in a question. (laughs) Well, that's that's the podcast. Take us out. (laughs) 